I know you rolled a natural 20 on your persuasion check, but I still don't think the ancient red dragon would agree to use its breath to make you s'mores. Welcome back to another episode of The Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today we're going to kind of go off script a little bit. And this is going to be, I won't say it's going to be a full rant, but it's certainly going to be kind of stream of consciousness, I think, for our subject today. Eric, how would you explain what we're going to be doing today? uh, We're calling it 5.5e. We've played 5th edition long enough that there's some things about it that in retrospect, if we could change, we would. And right. that's what we're going to talk about. What What do we think the the parts of 5e that sort of are starting to rub us the wrong way at this point after however many years it's been? How many years has been 5e or, been out now? Was it 2014? I think it's like five. I think it's five years now, yeah. yeah. Sure seems a lot longer I, than that. I think the monthly has been... you play going, with Greg, it's like a really... Like <laughs> forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember playing uh, playtesting D&D Next, so maybe that's why it seems so long for me. Yeah, yeah, it was a, mm-hmm. a that was long like the summer, wasn't process. that the next summer after the initial before came out or before? Yeah, somebody here probably has an electronic device that could probably figure that out, yeah. and I do have a computer in front of me, so I could probably do that also. But you know, that's besides the point. But right? first, before we dive into that, we got to talk about those games people play. All right, so who wants to go first? What have you guys been doing over the last yeah, couple of weeks? I did last time. Okay, so uh, we played our second monthly session. With, which, with our quasi-evil group. With the quasi-evil How group. How is that going? Are you doing evil things? No. Well, they're in an evil city, and then you get... This is why I don't necessarily like to run evil, because, like, are you really evil if you're killing evil people? Because good people kill evil people. Is that what makes them good? So if evil people kill evil people, are they now good? Like, if you never kill good people... I think that's just that whole no honor among thieves. It was super... The whole thing is super sketchy. I mean, yeah, we're like... I wouldn't say we're the nicest people in the evil city, but we are possibly the lamest people in the yeah, evil for city. A, for a group that needs to make connections, that's sort of like their goal. They know like one person. Oh, She's wow. a middle-aged prostitute. <laughs> And they've I've, essentially put her in charge of their operation because uh, she's the only person they know. She's, she's the only person that stays on the boat. Um, I've made friends. I have friends at the uh, at the bar now where yeah. I where I made my fabulous uh, and only twenty crit success but, on something. But their first to say, adventure, and that's it. Their first adventure was to jailbreak. Oh, they God. left behind a hand axe. Which then the wizards used to divine who had broken into je- the jail. So they quickly beat feet. Ironically, as part of the treasure in the jail, there was an amulet of proof against detection of uh, whatever detection. Yeah, which is funny because yeah. we got it before the axe got left behind. So that, you know, if you. If you're telling the story, it sounds like Eric threw that in there so we wouldn't have to spend the entire rest of the campaign running from the authorities. But we got the amulet before. Yeah. Someone Be- left the axe behind, not me. And, but they uh, still left town. They went to uh, pilfer a Lord's Manor vault. Yeah, that'll so. probably be as successful as our uh, as our uh, jail infiltration. But so we did that. The other thing, this coming weekend, I have a big event up in Hell, Michigan. Right. Who doesn't the, want to go to hell? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the <laughs> Avernus book is coming out, and it's sort of a launch event that's a fundraiser. It's called Vote Pipyap. Pipiat being some sort of a demon from um, the mythology, mm-hmm. D&D history. Uh, and it's actually sort of cool because it's an Adventures League event, but they're only running five people per table. 
and yeah. I didn't get uh, asked to run, which was good because now I get to play. So I'm playing all we- playing D and D all weekend. Wow, nice! But Switch I need to make you. a new character. So I'm rebuilding one of my old characters. It used to be Don Diego, and now it's going to be uh, the Chevalier Francois. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> same same character, going, different same country. character, different name. And I, you know, I can do a French accent as equally as bad as I can do a Spanish accent. It's really the same accent. Yes, we all exactly. Know. So we, yeah, because we, we all know you only have one accent. Correct. <laughs> I told him we already had one. <laughs> yes, so you're always going to sound like an English doing a bad French, French impersonation. Yeah. yeah, well, an American doing a bad yeah. English doing a bad French. Yes. Yeah, right. So that's what I got going on. How uh, Hell, Michigan, how far is that away? Before well, if I you? leave from work, which I'm planning on doing, it's five-hour drive. Hmm. Peace but I did find someone to share the hotel room with me, so we, they started a Facebook group because it's a pretty 15 tables, five people each. So there's not a ton of people going to this. Hmm. And so I post, hey, I got a room. And there's not even any rooms in Hell, Michigan. You have to stay like 25 <laughs> minutes away because nice. it's literally the middle of nowhere. But it should be fun. Cool. Cool. Sounds like fun. What about you, Greg? Uh, well, uh, we I'm sure uh, kind of coincides with what he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. The night before, uh, that was one of my back-to-back days where I got to play Star Wars on Friday night and then uh, get up and play D&D the next morning. So that was a good uh, that was a good day. Um, skimpy turnout for the Star Wars, so not a whole lot got done. But we did uh, we did introduce one of the things I like from it's the a Star- good character name, Skimpy Turnout. Skimpy Turnout, yeah. <laughs> for, a, a, for a gnome, it's a gnome. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say I knew that was gonna be a gnome. Um, yeah, we uh, we we've introduced a retired clone trooper, which is kind of a uh, uh, um, thing that popped up in the Rebel series. So now we have a uh, an ex clone trooper living outside of town uh, that we can go and ask about the good old days and. Uh, so anyway, that was uh, not much. A good though. run. Not not a whole lot went not on that run. Lot. Yeah, but and then we went and nearly got killed repeatedly uh, in D and D the next day. So it was kind of, you know, prepping me for the doom. But uh, how about you? Back, uh, back in the day when I ran Star Wars, I used to run a retired Tie Fighter pilot, and he used to say, "Shields are for sissies." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a uh, I had a mutinous uh, scout trooper and a former scout trooper. <laughs> I, too, have been kind of on the uh, not really doing a whole lot of gaming, been too busy here at work. For some reason, it's just slamming me. But, it could uh, be that the semester started two weeks ago. Yeah, you and I both know it gets very busy yeah. oh, here yeah. the first four or five weeks of, of the semester. But I've been doing some prep for the upcoming uh, game convention here in town on the 21st, the Tabletop Central. Eric, I think you're running some games, too, I'm running too, right? a couple of Adventures League games. Yeah. Modules I had not run before that are pretty highly... Highly regarded. Yeah, so. I really do hope this convention is well attended. I'd like to see another one in town for us. One at the first of the year and one towards the end of the year. I think it'd be nice to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It never hurts to have more gaming, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I think I should get off, off my butt and actually register for the convention. You should. It's actually in my calendar to go, but I haven't signed up. And it's yet. only like 20 minutes away from you. I know. You don't have to get a room other than maybe tell your wife you're going to, you know, <laughs> can I sleep on that side of the bed? <laughs> uh, I've been doing some um, battle tech. I revisited nice. my battle tech. And so I've been having a lot of fun with that. Been yeah. having a lot of fun. The newest version or an old version? Uh, newest version. Okay, because they just released a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, nice. matter of fact, a friend of mine wants to get together and do a play test because he wants to bring it to Winter War oh. in January. So well, send me uh, a if message if you guys are another player. Yeah, I love BattleTech. Yeah. It's going to be on I a have Thursday never though. It's going to be on a Thursday. Well, Thursdays are free for me. Yeah, I am. I am familiar with the BattleTech role playing game published by anybody know? Uh, uh, Fasa. Right? Was it? 
Palladium. Palladium? Books. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, that was Robotech. Yeah. Oh, what did you say? I said Battle 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 Battle. Oh, oh my God. Same damn Pick thing. Out. Pick them out. It's the yeah. same thing. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And there's a lawsuit yeah. that says it's not the same <laughs> Yes. <thing. laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that was my they bad. Just that won, was my bad. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then I uh, <laughs> finally got my son to come over and play. Remember I was telling you I resurrected that game, Golem Arcana, that had yeah. all this stuff? We finally got to play the game, and I have yet to win in that game yet. Need, I have lost every game that I've played of that. We need to have Julian on a podcast at some point for, like, the next generation's view. We need to figure out a way to get him on here. Uh, then he could tell stories about Dean. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, he, he doesn't like to say that he's a gamer, but he is. Oh, he's definitely he he's loves a gamer by association. Yeah. yeah. No, he really enjoys <laughs> playing games, but he won't sit there and tell anybody that he's a gamer. No. It's like when we grew up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't Myself. advertise. It was like, remember like... Uh, Early on, you had, like, gay guys or gay people had, like, secret signs and verbal <laughs> phrases. That's what D&D was like in the 80s. Yeah. Like, you didn't advertise, but you're like, hey. But you could tell if you had yeah. your game dar on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, hey, you're talking about Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. No, 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 no. That was a Led Zeppelin I was talking about. No, <laughs> yeah. Zeppelin. Well, Zeppelin cool. also. I'm a cool dude. Yeah. But Zeppelin also tight gaming yeah. connections. A lot of their yeah. lyrics. Oh, yeah. I know. D&D. Oh, yeah. uh, and Inspired someone I was not. Well, not necessarily DD, but Lord, of the, like Rings, Lord of the Rings, fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I found out something very unfortunate today, though. Or not oh. today, yesterday. What? Gary Con, which all three of us are going to, mm-hmm. already got tickets, already got hotel rooms. It's also the same freaking weekend as the uh, Artemis Armada game convention oh. in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. So, well, that's bad news for you. Yes, it is. It's bad <laughs> news for me. So I don't know. I got to get on that cloning thing real fast. So that pretty much sucks for me. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I, I, well, I do know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to GaryCon. Have fun yeah. with us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Be with all the luminaries. Jimmy McGuire is going to GaryCon. Nice. Really? Yes. yes. Sweet. Does he need a room? Uh, I think he's got something. I think his daughter is coming with, or at least is planning on coming with. So uh, the full Grognard yeah, group will be up there. Yeah. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback mm-hmm. for our interview. We just posted uh, with griffith mon morgan the third yeah about yeah. secrets of blackmore and a lot of those people we talked about are going to be at gary con yep it's very so we're going to try to make some more contacts and uh and maybe, maybe uh, get some more interviews uh, out of it right uh, some of them should be a game hole too yeah 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 i will not be a game hole i uh, i apologize for that but uh i've got responsibilities that day <laughs> oh please <laughs> well <laughs> dude eric, eric and i'll be there representing okay yeah. yeah well so that is what we've been doing and that was our segment games people play Okay, here we go, folks. So, um, like we said earlier, we're going to talk about what we want to call 5.5. Yeah, if there was ever like a revision, although some of these are pretty major changes. So, well, there are things that we like, or well, there are things that we don't really like about the game, really. I don't think we're going to be talking about stuff yeah. we like. Because... And we have a very loose outline here, mm-hmm. so we're going to yeah. jump around. And I think the first thing well, that... And we like a lot of stuff. We do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we like 5.0, so it's just needs some tweaks, yeah. perhaps. And here's where, and we don't want to offend, but we, yeah, we don't care if we offend anybody. Uh, we're old, we don't But care. Eric and I have talked a little <laughs> bit about this, and we have called... Well, this... let's wait on that one. Let's, okay. let's talk okay. about the, the biggest one that drives drives me bonkers, and most people okay. agree, let's I go would back think. Then. Yeah. 
five to seven encounters per day. Yeah. So the whole uh, game is balanced <laughs> on five to seven encounters per day in terms of resource management. Mm-hmm. Nobody I know runs five to seven encounters per day. No character can survive five to seven encounters a day if anybody gets injured well, and you're no, below No, they probably level. could. The problem is I run four-hour Adventures League sessions mm-hmm. pretty contis- consistently. Most of those have three combats. Okay. And maybe one other or maybe two other non-combat interactions, which tend not to drain a lot of resources. It's combat that drains the resources. Yeah. So that's in four hours. And then oftentimes the adventure pacing is such that people can just go, well, we're just going to take a rest. We're just going to we're just going to sleep halfway through that. So you got three combats and a chance for a long rest. You only can really force five to seven by taking away the option for a long rest. Which means you're going to fail at your later combat encounters because your resources I, I have been depleted. See, you're looking at it from the player's perspective. I'm looking uh, of course at it from I the am. Where do you <laughs> come up with the five to seven encounters? Is that's, that just the average of what is put in most of the pre That's sort of modules? what, I don't know if it's in the official material. It might be, but it's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. out there. Wizards of the Coast, you know, game designers have said, yes, the game's sort of structured around this five to seven encounters per day. So per long rest. People should be having five to seven encounters. It's just wow, not that realistic. That seems like a lot. That seems, yeah, it seems like, like, like way too lot. much. Yeah. And then that leads us into this whole long rest, short rest mechanic, which is another thing that now is that a fir- is that a first for five e the the short rest, long rest? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. My right. players take advantage of that too much. I think <laughs> take advantage, exploit. Yeah. Most yeah, I mean, exploit why, is the right word. Why would you not? If you have a yeah. chance to take a rest, take a rest. Like. You mm-hmm. got an hour? Sure. There's no most adventures have no time pressure. And if you do put that in an adventure, you're starting to veer towards railroady. You know, now sometimes it's a natural consequence. You know, mm-hmm. something bad is happening, it has to be stopped in a certain amount of time. But you can't do that every adventure, or the players start to go, wait a minute. Why is everything we have to do has to be done within an hour, <laughs> within three hours? And that's because what, you're gonna exploit the whole long rest thing and yeah, exactly. Which means, and then you're getting railroaded. Tells yeah. me that it's just a bad mechanic. Um, I I don't like the the five seven. I don't like the short rest. I'm trying to remember back in the early days, it took like an entire day to get like a certain amount of hit points back. It was overnight, it? and yeah. then you didn't heal automatically. Yeah, I mean you got like one hit point a day. Right. Yes. And so what would happen is you could rest, but then you'd have to burn spells. To magically heal because you got your spell slots back or you would use your remaining spell slots. Hope mm-hmm. you didn't get attacked in the middle of the night. Right. Yes. We. Which does, that's something that isn't done very much yeah, anymore. Well, my monsters. players do. I'm always I just suggest as a game master, I say anybody doing any shifts, you know, guard shifts over the, the long rest. Oh, yeah. Eric does that, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do good. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I tend to put in wandering monsters when I don't want the players to be able to rest. Yes. Which is yeah. cheesy because. Part of me thinks it should be random. If there's a one in six chance, like old school D&D, mm-hmm. you know, there's a one in six chance. That's, But then also old school had like every minute you're in the this portion of the <laughs> adventure, you have to roll. Mm-hmm. Then you're trying to keep track of character time versus, oh yeah, it was always sort of a nightmare. So wandering monsters aren't necessarily a, a good solution either. So that whole rest mechanic, and, and then they have the option to DMG, the hardcore mode, which is basically... Uh, short rest is overnight, and a long rest is like a week, which yeah, right. I actually like. Well, real that's actually that makes more, more realistic, realistic because yes. you know if I've got 
100 hit points and I take 85 points worth of damage and I take a nap and I wake up and I'm fresh, that's not gonna... Yeah, but here's Make my problem feel, you know, with that. All, that. all those wounds are not going to be healed non-magically. Here's my problem with that is because they've balanced a lot of classes on the short rest, long rest mechanic, some classes, I mean, essentially, you're never going to get a long rest during an adventure. Yeah, it's it's challenging. So your short rest classes sort of rise to the top because they get their stuff back every night. So it sort of skews the, the power balance of the classes. So... I, that's one of the things. They just need to do something with that rest mechanic, and they need to get rid of this assumption that you're going to have. And they try to, like, sugarcoat it. And I you know you know, some of our listeners are probably like, wait a minute. They don't all have to be combat encounters. They could be puzzles or they could be traps. It doesn't matter. It's still an unrealistic It's a resource drain. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, it's just unrealistic expectation. So that that's the top thing that's sort of like, that, that didn't work. Second thing that didn't work, inspiration. You know, I tried to include inspiration in my game, and I don't think my players just understood what it was. I don't think anybody really does. It seems to be the most house-ruled thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Greg, you've played a ton of Adventures League. Have you ever seen a DM award inspiration for what it's written for in the book, which is playing your character flaw, motivation, those four categories? That's what I use mine. That's how I I play mine. I don't think inspiration—I don't know if inspiration has ever come up in any— Adventures League thing I've played. I don't I've, remember I've anybody seen some using people that will you know, hand it out. I think or some of them at the beginning will give everybody like one. You know, everybody yeah. has one inspiration, mm-hmm. got one chance to do something. But then I don't know if I've ever seen anybody use it. Well, I so, don't remember anybody well, so, using it. So one is what do you need to do to get it? And according to the book, you need to basically portray your character. Good role play is Good, what it's I role playing reward. Yeah. reward it. And with. if you're in a regular group, yeah. But even then, the DM has enough on his plate to be sort of qualitatively judging Mm -hmm. the characters and how they they do their stuff. And you can only have one. So once somebody has it, you know, they sort of, again, they want to hoard their resource. The second thing is how you use it. It's supposed to be that you use it before you roll. Yeah, to get advantage on the roll. The vast majority of tables I play at or, you know, or players I play with, they want to add it after. Like a lucky, like a lucky point. Yeah. Which, given that their lucky feet exists in the game, is not unreasonable in my opinion. Here's the official description of what inspiration is. It's a rule that the game master can use to reward you for playing your character in a way that's true to his or her personality traits, ideal bond and flaw. By using inspiration, you can draw on your personality trait of compassion for the downtrodden to give you the edge in negotiating with the beggar prince, as an example. Yeah. Or inspiration can let you call on your bond to the defense of your home village to push past the effect of a spell that's been laid on you. And what it is, it's uh, it gives a character an obvious benefit being able to gain advantage on one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. Yeah. And remember that a character can have no more than one inspiration. But you can at a time. give it to other characters. Yes, it's like almost like a coin that you have. That's your lucky coin. Yeah, Eric actually uses coins. So yeah. same do so do I. But I don't follow the rules for inspiration. Yeah, uh, you know, I just we get more than one. You can have more than one. You can hoard them up. You know, I just I don't like. I like the concept behind it. Let's do something for people who do a good job role playing. I just mm-hmm. think it's a clunky mechanic and it doesn't work and mm-hmm. nobody uses it the way it's supposed to be used. Right. That that is fair. So, those are the the two big ones. The other ones that are sort of before we get into uh, uh, the debatable ones. Yeah. Okay. So grappling. <laughs> yeah. I hate grappling. <laughs> it's 
Do you remember the grappling rules from, oh, what was it, 3rd edition? I think it was. Yeah, some of them were crazy. And you can make a crazy 5th edition grappler where you pin somebody and then everybody has advantage to hit them. The problem is that, okay, so let's let's have a boxing match, Dean. Okay, you and me in a Mm -hmm. boxing match. That'd be a fairly even matchup. We're about the same size and and age. But I'm going to get a sword. (laughs) <laughs> how do you feel about that i'm not going to grapple with yeah, you exactly <laughs> yeah. like you're trying to institute this like hand-to-hand combat and it yeah. does need to be part of the rules but there's this tendency to want to make it like equal to wielding weapons yes and in most cases it's not now i get we're a fantasy world so you have like these super duper monks that can jump off crap and and do stuff. So maybe, yeah, they need special rules, and we have that. But just your average Joe, you know, if you just want to hang on somebody, guess what, dude? They're encumbered now. That's what you did to them. Yeah. Make your grapple check, and now they're encumbered. They're just going to walk around at half speed with you hanging on their back. Now, do you think that grappling is to kind of simulate that idea of you and I have both studied and 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 done some stuff with uh, uh Martial arts in terms of carrying a sword and a weapon yeah. and stuff like that. The grappling of a person's weapon or their sword arm. Well, they have had special rules for that. Now, mm-hmm. we don't have them in 5th edition, but earlier editions did have right. aim shots or disarm maneuvers. Yes. Um, well, there is a disarm if you're a particular fighter in 5th edition. So, some of that. But you know what? What it comes down to, if you want to smash somebody in the face with a basket hilt, that's an improvised weapon. That's a D4 plus your strength bonus, really. Right. You know, or well, actually, well, unless if you're tavern brawler, if you're not tavern brawler, it's just. I wonder how many people one. actually home rule grapple instead of just doing what they say here. The problem is it sort of breaks the game, right? When you start yeah. to give it more power than it should have, it bre- even if it's realistic. So, like you know, uh, Royce Gracie, when UFC first or you know, or mixed martial arts first started, this dude would take one hit, get on somebody's back, and choke them out. Okay, so it's a thing. Yes, you can do it. But our game system can't support that. It's like people who want to walk up to a sleeping guard and stab him in the throat and kill him. Okay, in real life, not that I've ever walked up on sleeping guards and stabbed (laughs) him in the throat. Yeah, is there something we need to know? But theoretically, that would work. The problem is our game system doesn't support one-shot kills because if it did, guess what? Your Your character could be one shot killed. So we don't want to go there. It's the same with grapple. We don't want to make grapple too crazy. Mm -hmm. So my opinion is let monks do it. If you want a character that has sort of the the weaponized body, arms, legs, give them the ability. For everybody else. The wrestler. It ain't going to do anything, okay? You got (laughs) an armored opponent. It's got a weapon. You want to try to jump on his back, be a monk, okay? (laughs) I, I just... It just doesn't work for me. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that's not right. You should be able to do it. Okay, well, let's play a, a you know WWE game and we can have all the <laughs> grappling we want and have a rule system that supports it. So that's See, a custom character class, though, there, the, the wrestler. The wrestler. Yeah, it's got to wear overalls. And... <laughs> okay, so so those are the, the, the ones that sort of stand out. Now... There are a couple things you. that in in if there was a 5.5e, I would get rid of. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This doesn't sound good. Some of these feats. Gr- Jane! I did not silence my phone. <laughs> I did not silence my phone. 
<laughs> note of that, and uh, and that's what happens when you have a lot. No, not a live, but yeah. a uh, lightly edited, lightly edited podcast. Okay, so there are some feats I would get rid of, and those are <laughs> great weapon master, sharpshooter, and lucky. They are so much more powerful than any other feat. Yeah, lucky I have a problem with. Crossbow expert could also be on that list. That that one's a little. He just wants to get rid of all the stuff that gives players advantages. It's not that. So great weapon master, sharpshooter, take a minus five to get a plus ten. Where else in the game do you ever even come close to a plus ten damage? The answer is nowhere. nowhere. I mean, you can get a plus two damage if you have a specialized fighting style, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. That's about it. Those like, are some big numbers. The most weapon you can get for a sword, a magic sword, is a plus three damage. And now we're just handing out plus ten. That's if you want to keep them. Make them plus one, plus two, like specialization used to be back in in AD&D. You know, plus one hit, plus two to damage if you want to specialize. There you go. Mm -hmm. Take up a feat, you get a little bit of a bonus. Lucky. Maybe maybe make it leveled. Maybe maybe tier it. No. (laughs) Denied. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lucky also throwing in that. And and trust me, I play with Lucky. I love making characters I've never actually used Lucky. It's great. You fail the save, I'm going to roll again. Yep. You have three luck points to do it. And the way it's been ruled is that if I have disadvantage and then I add a lucky die, I have super advantage now. I can pick any of the three dice. So I initially started with the worst of two, and I end up with the best of three. Mm -hmm. So disadvantage with a lucky die turns into super advantage, which is also also a little And it comes back around that you get your expended luck points back with that long rest. Yeah. So so basically, it's like a sneaking along rest. And and I'm, you get three of them. Mm-hmm. One of them would be powerful. Right. You get three. That's three of them. pretty crazy. And really, going back to the inspiration, what needs to happen is you get one lucky die. It's essentially an extra inspiration point, And they need to revise inspiration if you're going to keep it so that you can use it after you roll. So basically, everybody gets one lucky die. You know, in, in James Bond role-playing game, you had hero hero points, which yeah. were, you know, you throw them in afterwards. A lot of systems have that mechanic, but it's usually after the roll. Oh, I just boloed that roll. I only get one of these the entire session. Yeah. I'm going to use it now. And forget the recharge overnight. You get one per session. Yeah, you had that in Buffy, too. That was a big thing in that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I know is not going to be popular, and we're going to do Monk coming up next. Yeah. The Monk Stun. The Monk Stun. Mm-hmm. As a DM... I'm going to say right now, for those who are expecting that Monk podcast, I'm not going to be talking a lot on there. Monk <laughs> hey, I is played just, a Monk in AD&D. I have a Monk. I don't. Okay. I hate him. Well, <laughs> the Monk Stun, for those who don't... Right, what, wait, what, what are we calling it here? The Monk Stun? The Monk, monk Stun. stun. <laughs> <laughs> That's another good character name, Monk Stun. Monk Stun. Yeah, that would be like uh, maybe a troll. Uh, that does not come up dwarf. in like, D&D Beyond. Yeah. Monk stun. Well, no, of course not, because it's an Eric term. It's played by Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> it is the ability of a monk to use their key points, of which they get, I don't know, like, uh, I think it's equal to their one of their stat bonuses. Uh, yeah, I can't remember because I haven't played my monk in a while. But, yeah. uh, so when they hit with an attack, they can have the creature make a constitution saving throw. And if the creature fails their constitution saving throw, they are stunned until the end of the monk's next turn, which basically means they don't get to do anything and everybody has advantage to hit them. So there's a couple problems with this. One, it's cool. they can use this over <laughs> and over and over. Each attack, they can use a key point. So if the monster succeeds, so you're mm-hmm. fighting an ancient red dragon. I hit him once. 
make a save. I hit him again, make a save. I hit him a third time, make a save. Oh, I use Flurry of Blows, so I get one more attack, make a save. So you can theoretically let make a, a creature make four saving throws against beings. They're not going to make it. Statistically, no. you're going to stun. Now, an Ancient Red Dragon would have legendary yeah, resistance. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to... So they could use that, but you're burning off. up legendary resistance. Anyways, you know, when if you got two casters, they've already maybe used two. But even against monsters that, you know, that don't have legendary resistance, they're going to fail. They're going to be stunned. And then the combat just becomes inconsequential. Everyone just beats on it. Most combats are over in two or three rounds. Now... Okay, I'm reading this here. It's Stunning Strike. That's stunning why I couldn't strike. find stunning it. Yeah. Okay. At fifth level, you can interfere with the flow of key in an opponent's body. What if that opponent doesn't believe in, the- in key? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no key in my body. Screw He's, your Stunning Strike. He's stealing they his keys. digital locks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have no key. Yeah. Kai, key. key. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so... They're assuming that everybody is, you know... So here's my... Here's what I would like to see. Keep it. That's fine. It's a cool ability. Don't get me wrong. You can use it once per turn. And... Per per turn. And you only get to use it once per per, per creature. Once they succeed... Can't do it again. Can't do it again. Okay, so... They know what you're doing. They blocked you. You know, hey, that would be cool. When I run in and I smack this thing, I can maybe stun it. But... And not because for realism purposes. Just because in terms of everybody else's enjoyment... The combat just sort of goes, oh, that was really exciting, and now it's just boring. Everybody just roll your damage for a whole round of attacks. Let me know how much damage. And everybody mm-hmm. gets advantages, roll your, you know. And it might even be auto crit for stun. I forget. Maybe not. Maybe it's just advantage. But it, there needs, and it needs to end at the end of the creature's turn. Similar to most other abilities that have similar effects. Okay, not I can, the end I can of the see monk's that monk's next turn. The yeah. end of the creature's next. Just like if I knock somebody prone... Everybody's going to have advantage to do that until I get to go. Now I get to stand up. Stand up, up right. Now, it, that's a little cheesy in terms of who goes when for initiative order, but but it's a little more balancing. So the monk's done needs to needs to have some limitations. Otherwise, it just gets to, to reduce the fun factor, in my opinion. Other stuff that needs to be mm. clarified. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I can see that, though. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And monks can do a lot of other cool stuff. Yeah. All you ever see them do at high levels is stun. Because it's so powerful. I know, I'm not a high not. level yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your highest level eventually, character, Greg? Uh, I think uh, I think Grogex, what, seven, eight, nine, somewhere okay. in there? I'm not, I'm just, I think I'm just like a few hundred below uh, tier three. Well, season nine starts September 17th, so now you get to start at level one again if you want to play <laughs> a season nine character. But you have a high level home ga- home game character, so. Who was only mostly dead, right? Yeah. She's retired now. (laughs) (laughs) Am I guessing that your next uh, nitpick might be True Strike? Oh, True Strike, we could just mention in passing. A totally useless spell. I believe my notes say, useless as tits on a boar hog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, True Strike, you point your finger at a target in range. Your magic grants you a brief insight into the target's defenses. And on your next turn, you gain advantage on your first attack roll against the target. Yeah. And it uses your action. That came up with a sorcerer, didn't it? Didn't that one? Uh... There, there is one build that actually uses it in a very convoluted way. But here's the problem: you could just attack twice. If I use two strike, I get advantage on one strike. I can hit once mm-hmm. and do once attacks worth of damage. If I just attack twice, 
I have this same chance of hitting. I'm essentially still rolling two d20s, but there's also a chance that I hit twice and do two attacks worth of damage instead of just one attack's worth of damage. It's it's a silly spell. There's no way to fix it, because if you make it a bonus action, why would you ever not use it? So you can't make it a bonus action. It's just, they're just, you just need to change the spell dramatically. It can't be an advantage. It needs to be some other, maybe advantage with a damage bonus. I don't know, but hmm. it's a silly spell. The others, as long as we're on spells, and again, this is an unpopular viewpoint, counter spell. All right, let's find out what D&D Beyond has to say about counter spell. Yeah, that one does come up a lot. Uh, and I've, Eric I, yeah. has, to his credit, Mentioned counterspell a lot yeah. in our it, podcast, it, and that's because I'm a grog monthly. Okay. It, it was used to come up in our monthly quite, a, or no, our bi-monthly quite. Okay, a bit. so let's let me, let me read this here around and counter counter spells. Well, you have to give us a stat. It's an it's, it's third, a reaction. Spell. It's a reaction spell, third level. It's a range of uh, 60. sixty foot, and uh, it's instantaneous. You attempt to interrupt a, care, a creature in the process of casting a spell. If the creature is casting a spell of third level or lower, its spell fails and has no effect. If it is casting a spell of fourth level or higher, make an ability a check using your spellcasting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. On a success, the creature's spell fails and has no effect. Yes. So some new D&D players would be like, well, what's wrong with that? You can counter spell. It's never been done before, right? In early D&D, if you wanted to interrupt a casting... Mm-hmm. You smack somebody you with a sword because casting you... time spanned over multiple segments, right. sometimes over multiple rounds. You hit them in the middle of their casting of the spell. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, granted, it's a nuanced look, but if I attack somebody with a sword, I get to make a roll and I have to beat their armor class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I cast a spell, nope, you're not even casting the spell. I just countered it. There's a difference. Yeah there it's not that if i cast a firebolt i have to roll to hit just like a sword i don't even get to that point with counter spell okay so you're basically denying player agency saying you you can't do this i'm just not gonna let you do what you so i waited for my initiative i'm going to cast no you're not creature just counters it now we get into this rabbit hole where the player who cast first well no let's say i'm gonna cast a spell creature counters it now the player still has a reaction and can counter my counter i think that just happened last run didn't yeah it? so we're back where we started why the hell do we have counter spell <laughs> now yes there are scenarios where they might not be able to counter or they've already used their reaction things like that but truthfully if you're playing a spellcaster, if anybody plays a spellcaster, let them cast spells why do we get into this rabbit hole of you know, well, we don't want spell. You know what the defense against a spell is? It's called a saving throw or an attack roll. Mm-hmm. That's just like the defense against a sword strike. Yep. We don't have any abilities that say, I'm going to attack with my sword, and the DM goes, nope, you're not. I stop you from attacking with your sword. Don't even bother picking up the dice. It's not... Now, personally, I think Counterspell came out of magic cards. There's a magic card called Counterspell, and it does exactly what it does in D&D. Somebody goes to cast a spell, I can counter it. And who yeah, owns I, magic cards? Yeah, well, Wizards, Wizards of, of the, the Coast. Coast. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, early D&D did have some sort of hodgepodge methods for countering spells, earlier versions. There was a, some people would use Dispel Magic, 
where you could you could cast a dispel magic and yeah. negate a spell. If you want to include some something like that, that it's a that f- almost sounds better. Yeah, it's yeah. a far harder thing. But truthfully, if you're that worried about a spell affecting somebody, give it a saving throw. Like the spell should be balanced. We shouldn't have this whole additional mechanic on top. How often do you encounter the counter spell? All the time. Oh, do you yeah. really? No, it does show up. But yeah. If you are playing a wizard yeah. or a sorcerer and you don't take counter spell, you're an idiot. Hmm. Because yeah. it's just like the monk strike. You just basically deny your opponent a chance to do anything. Like, why would you not do that? Strategically, it makes sense. But in terms of the rule of fun, it's not that fun. <laughs> would it be better that you could throw the counter spell and instead of interrupting the spell, you aid the um, uh, saving but throw? But there are spells for that. Yeah. Bless does that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well. and that's where the strategic thinking comes in. But then, I, yeah, but you're, yeah. I guess you're blowing your you're you're squandering your reaction to try to help somebody and uh, yeah maybe maybe a yeah. counterspell could give advantage on a, or disadvantage on attack roll or advantage on a saving, saving throw. That's what I'm saying. Is, yeah, yeah. Is I you, mean maybe you, something yeah, like you know, that to help. Mid- you're a wizard. It's, it's like control aid. the forces. It's, it's of similar to that, but it's a reaction. Aid because yeah. aid is not a reaction, is it? So I don't think aid it is. is not a reaction. Yeah. No. See, this is this is a heat of combat. Trying, you know, he's going to throw a fireball. Oh crap! And that guy's. Ter- you know, he's already wounded. Terrible at doing that. Let's help him not yeah, get roasted. I just think yeah. back I, to AD&D. When somebody threw a fireball, you were getting hit with a fireball. Yep, or you were yep. hitting the monster. That's You burned your spell slot. You got your spell. Mm-hmm. To yeah, me, that's, yeah. you know, Lord of the Rings, when, you know, Sauron goes to do some evil thing. It's not like Gandalf goes, oh, you know what? He's not doing no, that. No, I'm casting no. that counter yeah. spell on Yeah, he's, yeah. I'm just going to not let him see throw. Frodo. You know, in Moria, I'm just going to counter that scrying. I yeah. wish I wish we could get inside the mind of the person who came up with this whole counter spell. But um, speaking of which, yeah. getting inside the mind and oh, reading minds. That's right. Somebody came to town recently. Who was that? The world famous Nostradamus. Uh, really? Yes. He is, he is a him. prognosticator extraordinaire. That's yes, what I hear. Yes, and we have a little recording of one of the, um, the. We ex- got him on tape, even. Yes, wow. on tape. Excellent. Actual tape. Yeah, analog tape. <laughs> Eight track. Eight track. Because <laughs> we're grognar. That's so. right. So let's give a listen to the amazing, the magnificent, Nostradamus. Just arriving on his flying carpet, Nostradamus the Magnificent. Sim sim balabim. May the sands of the bright desert never clog the orifices of your physical being. (laughs) Thank you for that generous wish. And may the fleas of a thousand camels never nest in your nether regions. Why, thank you. (laughs) I hold in my hand these envelopes. As your magnificence can plainly see, they are sealed and have been kept secreted away in a bag of holding in the dungeon of Xanthar since noon yesterday. No one knows the contents of these envelopes. It is for you, in your mystical and divine ways, to ascertain the answers to the questions contained herein. It is for you, in your mystical and divine ways, to ascertain the answers to the questions contained herein, these envelopes, having never before seen the questions. Hmm. Uh, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> First envelope, please. Hmm. Zis boom ba. Zis <laughs> boom ba. Oh yes. 
What is the sound a sheep makes when getting hit with a fireball? Oh, oh, yes, yes. You are correct there, yeah. This seems a waste of a third-level spell slot, in my opinion. Well, perhaps. Sheep only have a few hit points. Okay, next envelope. Mm, Here we go. Die, die, die. (laughs) Die, die, die. Mm, Die, die, die. Yes. What does Greg mutter as he wanders the Gen Con exhibit hall? (laughs) Definitely you are correct there, yes. (laughs) Envelope number three. This is easy. Uh, For you, perhaps, yes. Thaco. Mm, Thaco, yes. Thaco. Good old-fashioned D&D term. What do you get when the Red Wizards of Thay incorporate? (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, perhaps a bit of a stretch. <laughs> That's there. good. Uh, uh, perhaps. Mm, some, not, not all of them are, are equally as impressive, I see. <laughs> Definitely not. Hmm. This one's a tough one. Every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> oh, every cloud has a silver lining. Oh. <laughs> Why don't wear bats fly when it's raining? <laughs> Good point there. Yeah, Good point. Yes. Vulnerability to silver and magical weapons. Uh, really. Yes, we all got that. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis impersonator. Oh, Elvis impersonator. Oh. Elvis impersonator. What do you call someone using a hat of disguise to appear elvish? Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, I can see that. <laughs> this, this could be painful. It already is. Next envelope. Mm, this one's a tough one. Creme brulee. Creme brulee. I like creme brulee. What do you call an albino brulee? <laughs> oh, that's not your best work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not my worst, as you shall see fairly soon. <laughs> Let's skip that one. That was <laughs> rolling in their graves. Oh, rolling in their graves. Oh, very dire. Yes, rolling in their graves. How do you play D anD D after you die? <laughs> oh, that's very grim. Yes. <laughs> okay. This one. This one. You have to. You have to be with me here. Uh, I'm right here. I'm right Ga- here. Gygax. Oh, Gygax. Gygax. Very that's famous. Very famous. Yes. Greater V and D. Gygax, along with others. What is the sound your cat Guy makes when spitting up a hairball? <laughs> oh, that's, that's unfortunate, that's yes. <laughs> disrespectful. You are correct. <laughs> amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. <laughs> oh, yes, Amazing Grace. I think I know her. <laughs> I don't think that's a person. Oh, okay. What happens when a dyslexic cleric rolls a one on an attack roll? Oh, <laughs> yes, that would work. Grazing <laughs> yeah, so yes. mace. Yes, oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, here's a good one. This is this is top notch right here. Uh, okay. White privilege. Oh, white privilege. Oh, topical. White privilege. Very, very topical. 
Why is it hard to beat a white on an initiative roll? <laughs> oh, you are definitely correct there, sir. Yes. Very good. Ooh, another another one for Topico. I believe that uh, that famous podcast of Grognars just did a podcast on Sorcerer. Uh, I like and in them. fact, Sorcerer is the answer Sorcerer. to the next question. Oh, Sorcerer. What do you call a person who makes saucers? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I can see that. <laughs> and our last, but hopefully not least, the last envelope. Tropical Cyclone. Tropical Cyclone. Oh, also topical. Tropical Cyclone. Yes, we are nothing if not topical, tropical given cyclone. our two-week delay. Yeah. What do you call the clone of a wizard named Psy stored in a jungle? <laughs> oh. That would be oh, oh, gosh, yes. Uh, I that, am that glad right Nostradamus yeah. <laughs> could provide the answers you uh, seek. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, <laughs> that guy is impressive. He, um, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> that is some top-notch humor right there. Yeah. yeah, that was some quality envelope ripping. I expect <laughs> whoever came up with that is going to be getting a call from the Tonight Show. Could be. From, any day now. from the lawyers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yes. Oh, yeah. From the attorneys. Yes. Yeah. Luckily, we have not monetized our podcast, yeah. so we can just steal yeah. Who stuff. the hell would pay for this? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, I guess I, I am, do, too. I, I am yeah. one of our, like, three patrons. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm number two. Self-supporting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So let's get back into it. Where were we at? We were just at... finish up Counterspell. We hate okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I actually, I actually like that idea of actually instead of making it a way, instead of it shutting down the spell, aiding the um, the saving yeah. throw. I think that is actually a more accurate mechanic. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's just, and it's not it's, great, it's, but you know. Yeah. I just I, like I just that. don't like telling players you're not doing what you want to do next. <laughs> oh, you love telling people that they can't do it. Sometimes. Do. <laughs> I love telling you. No. Um, so here's another thing I do at home. Given that most combats are over fairly quickly, like I said, two or three rounds, sometimes four to five rounds, but rarely past that. Unless you try to ambush uh, somebody in their office and then that could go on forever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, he was much higher level than you guys. <laughs> um, we sucked. So these, a lot of these monsters in the monster manual have really cool abilities. You know, they can take an action to exude a stink cloud and everybody retches and barfs unless they make a saving throw. I can do that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's can. voluntary and on command. But here's the problem. It takes an action. Not, for, so, not for Greg. Not for Greg, but no. for monsters. Yeah, I can do it as a reaction. <laughs> so, somebody has to pull your finger though, right? That's true. So, monsters rarely get to use these because I exude the stink cloud and then get beat on for a round. Yep. <laughs> by six people. Yeah. And then by the time it's my next action, I get one attack, yeah. which is, you know, okay, it might be decent. And then by the next round, I'm nearly dead anyway. And yeah. people have already used their saving throws to avoid. They've either made the first one or they get one every round or some such The archer was sharpshooters lobbing them in and you got yeah. no chance. So here's what I said. I missed that. There's this, there's this difference where, or there's a an inconsistency. We want monsters to be similar to characters in that they get hit dice, they get the constitution bonus for their hit dice, they get one action per round, 
In old D&D, that wasn't necessarily the case. Monsters had all kinds of wacky abilities. Yes, they did. And you see some of that carrying over. So, like, if you see an ancient dragon, everybody makes a fright check. So there's some stuff that's automatic. But they tended not to group these cool abilities anywhere else except actions. So what I do in my home game, I move them to bonus actions. You almost never see a monster with a bonus action. There's a few that have them. But that way, I can be like, hey, I exclude my stink cloud, exude my stink <laughs> yeah, cloud, ex- exude my stink cloud, and I get to attack. It doesn't substantially change the flow of the combat, but it adds more flavor because mm-hmm. this is a stinky monster, and every time you fight him, you're going to get hit with a stink cloud. Right. You know, that's just the way it, it should gives be. the poor thing a fair chance. Yeah. So they, they need to either commit. If you're going to make monsters like characters... Well, then what about all those cool abilities characters get as reactions and bonus actions in addition to their standard typical actions? Exactly. I don't think they have enough of that. They have some of it, but I don't think they have enough. Or just take them off the books entirely. In AD&D, monsters were not characters. They just had this many hit points, this armor class, these abilities. It wasn't tied to the way characters developed. I sort of missed that. Just just let monsters be monsters. Yeah. You know, if something's got a thousand hit points, I don't care how it got a thousand hit points. You don't need to tell me that it's, you know, 20 D 50 plus 87. Right. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. You know, just give I them can see that. I can see, you that. know, they still need stats because they're going to make saves and such. You yeah. know, the, the mechanics need to be there for for the flow of the game. But. They don't need to be characters. And that happened, That started in 3rd edition. 3rd edition, every oh. monster was a character. Yes. And uh-huh. that was why it was a nightmare to run, because they went to the other extreme, which was you had to develop a, an orc chieftain as oh, you gosh, know a 6-level yes. fighter. And, and if you wanted to make uh-huh. a custom monster, you were basically generating these characters. Yeah. There's a funny story about somebody who's, you know, 3rd edition is classic for people optimizing, min-maxing characters, you know, to the extreme. And most DMs would just throw together monsters. So these parties would tend to walk over monsters that were supposed to be challenging. So uh, one point, one of these DMs optimized their monsters, spent the two days to optimize, and rolled the party, and everybody got pissed. And he said, well, it was a fair challenge, according to statistically. It's just that I made the monsters like you guys made your characters. Nice. So uh, rather amusing. So I think we need to sort of swerve back a little bit to let's just let monsters be monsters and do the stuff monsters are going to do that yeah that seems reasonable how do you feel about the the new things that are coming out where you're playing characters in the races of those that have been for the most part for a very very long time the bad guys the monsters you know what i don't have a problem with that i don't know if you remember the original i believe it was rogues gallery from AD&D. It mm-hmm. was a, a booklet that they had put together that had NPCs in it. And a lot of the NPCs were from Gary's original campaign. And one of them was a lizard man. And they had been reincarnated, I believe, as a lizard man. They had died and got reincarnated and came back wow. as a lizard man. And I remember thinking, whoa, that's cool. I didn't even know you because I was like 12 years old. I didn't know you could be a lizard man. Like, So back in the day, they just sort of ran wild with with these rules now the problem is that if you're walking through town a human town and you're a goblin somebody's gonna try to hit you on the head with a sword right that's true like you're a goblin in town mm-hmm. maybe maybe gary had been watching land of the lost and that's where the lizard people came from the sleestacks yeah. 
<laughs> was it there was uh I read that uh that book that was inspired by D and D. Um Quad Keep. Yeah, Quad Keep, one of the characters. Yeah, it's a lizard man. He's a lizard man. And a large part of that story is keeping him damp. Yes, <laughs> basically. They're, because they're traveling he was like in the desert. Or, out. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of funny. But that was, I believe, that was sort of yeah. based on that mm-hmm. character that was in Rogue's Gallery. God, right. we're going deep into to D&D here. Um, so I don't necessarily have, I mean, that's part of the fun of the game, playing weird things. I mean, my my goblin cavalier. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> well, you know, I. That's I have, how. Has yeah. how uh, how close I am to that character, <laughs> but he, no, I have a no human role. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> he's a paragon of goblin kind. I play him like a, a human knight, and he sort of when people for GMs who do say, you know, you're a goblin, get out of my town. He'll be like, kind sir, that's insulting. Just you know to base me or to, yeah. to judge me just based on my my physical appearance is is you know demeaning of of civilized culture. <laughs> Uh, yep, in the game it certainly rule. is. <laughs> in the game rules, what is a goblin's alignment? But they don't have alignments anymore. So well, besides, you can you do can whatever be you any want. Any alignment, to. as I believe, goblins are chaotic evil normally. But, but uh, just like humans, don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to be right, any particular yeah. alignment. Other races don't. The but, problem is they tend races tend towards certain alignments. Humans right. tend towards lawful, believe it or not. Uh, that's the way it's nobody I know supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's chaotic neutral in Greg's world. Yeah. I don't know. One thing I, it's sort of my observation here as a person who tends to play strictly non-humans, sometimes weird classes that that just doesn't really come up. You know, you talked about the goblin walking into town and somebody wanting to whack him. Um, you know, and not just in your game, but in Adventures League too. You know, your your characters stride into town. You know, your your bugbear, your dragonborn, your dark elf. You know, you got your drow strolling along, and you know, and the token human and a dwarf, and, and nobody blinks an eye, and nobody gets mad at them, and, and all that. I, I well, just, the I, problem is, how much game time do you want to waste on this? Right. Yeah. The first time you do it, it's significant. Okay, yeah. I've, I've and Critical Role, perfect example. Yeah. There's, you know, the Sam Regal character yeah. is a goblin. Yeah. He's wears a mask to try to disguise his goblinness. But early on, yeah, they dealt with it. Hey, you're a goblin. Every once in a while, it'll come up. But for the most part, you just ignore it because you yeah. don't want to waste game time. Well, yeah. You and in Adventures League, you out. don't have game time. Yeah. You know, in Adventures League, it's even worse. Four hours. Yeah. But even in the regular game, that doesn't come up a whole lot. And so, it also I'm depends on the world. Out. It depends on the setting. It, it does. It, it can is, vary. That is fair. So I don't have necessarily yeah. have a problem with it. Well, but you don't want to get too crazy. Yeah, I guess I'm not saying that it should come up all the time or it's a thing, but I, I think it's perhaps I do, part of another thing we're going to bring I do up here. point out that your tabaxi is spent the majority of the campaign hairless uh, after being hit with acid and fire. <laughs> well, and I know you like to point that out, but <laughs> exactly. I, I don't actually that is, counter that argue is, with you that the same things have happened to other characters. And you that's true. And but they're not covered and, in hair. Yes. Well, he's also had a number of magical healings and restorations since then because that work? Dead repeatedly. I want a ruling. Call the wizards. I want a ruling. Does healing potions restore hair? I think it does. (laughs) There would be no baldness. Everybody in D&D would have like a full head of hair. A flowing mane. Well, maybe it doesn't work on male pattern baldness. But if it's supposed to be there, it's supposed to be there. Okay, you get me uh, a sage advice ruling. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whether a healing potion restores tabaxi hair and I will allow it. You just like to be mean to my kitty. 
That's true. Because it's a kitty. But you just said I should do that. You should say, you should point out when people are playing non-humans or non-demi-humans or however you want to phrase it. It just says here, you regain hit points. Potion of healing. Oh, well, not just potions of healing. No, I've had like rest. I've had, I think I had a oh. lot of major restoration and I've been okay. resurrected at least once or twice. Well, you were or, wished back to life. I was, just and I was wished so back I'll, to life I'll at the you, last time. You came and, back with hair with a wish. Yeah. Ninth level spell, uh, you have hair. Yeah, but the, uh, but that one did not shape. Result in you nah, being but the cleric either. spent more time in that gelatinous cube than I did. Uh, <laughs> I think he was already bald. Uh, yeah. uh, Maybe not the whole body. I don't want to know, but yeah. Okay. All right. So where where are we at? Um, um, I think we're at. Uh, we just got done talking with monsters and such. I think our next one that you wanted to talk about possibly is, is the critical hit. Yeah, uh, you know, with, I sort of miss those. I I don't feel strongly about it, but the critical hit and the fumbles, they're always sort of fun. I really well, yeah. do miss those. You know, other than the fact that it would come up with me a lot because I critical fail pretty regularly. Um, I don't know. I think there should be some sort of minor consequences. Yeah, I don't want to go all role master where yeah. we're like cross indexing charts. Yeah. But yeah. But you know that the joy that a player experiences when they hit that critical hit, the DM should have a little bit of excitement. On that critical fail. On that yeah. critical fail. Exactly. I, I got uh, two decks, a critical hit deck and a critical fumble deck, and I haven't used them a whole lot because just one more thing I would need to haul around, and yeah. they are sort of fun. They have a variety of effects, but... We I, play at your house. I know, but I have a lot of crap, <laughs> and I just moved recently, yeah. so it's, they're somewhere in a box. I don't know. I think it would be nicer if there was just a little more variety than just double double your dice and, yeah. and do your damage. Mm-hmm. I mean... Give give the DM the ability to, I don't know, have some other cool effects. Which brings us to our second point on our outline, DM empowerment. So now maybe this is because I run a lot of Adventures League. Maybe. But 5th edition, everything is very codified. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of leeway in the rules. Unlike early D&D was the exact opposite here's a framework for the rules we don't get into any specifics just figure out how you want to apply it these are your guidelines yeah and fifth edition was supposed to be rulings not rules well that's fine when you're talking about you know how how, yeah how this spell works you know would an illusion work on a creature with they can't see kind of you know there's there's stuff that's okay rulings not rules but for the most part everything's pretty clearly laid out yeah and I miss the days where I could just be, you know what? That ain't going to work at all. I don't care what the book says. I don't think it's reasonable that that, that spell is going to affect this creature. It's just, that's not the way it works. I still do that. If <laughs> well, I don't like something, I do it. It's my game. And I can do it in my home game. And like I said, I make okay. a lot of changes in the I home game. I get that. You, but you can't do it in your uh, But I can't Adventures do it in Adventures League. League. Right. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, rules as written, unless there's some discrepancy. So... I don't know. I think Adventures League kind of has to be that way, though, because it's its its own thing. Yeah, I agree. And it has to be but even the same fifth, everywhere you fifth go. Fifth edition, there's nowhere near as much leeway as there used to be in AD&D in terms of running. And I don't know if we would ever get back to that. I think people oh, no. like, like having everything right now. But it does lead to a more sort of MMO mentality when playing D&D among some players. Like, I'm always chasing the next ding. Hey, I leveled up. Like, (laughs) hey, my healing, my mana bar is full. You know, it's just that sort of mentality where you're you're 
playing a spreadsheet instead of playing a character. There's there's a certain amount of that, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, in my home game, I've <clears throat> I've started to do it a lot more where I make up rules on the fly. I'll just I'll make situations that specifically fifth edition does not have real clear rules for. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to shoot an arrow while falling off a cliff. How the hell is that going to work? Not very well. Well, who knows? It works great until you hit the bottom. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not the fall that kills you. It's yeah, a yeah. rapid so deacceleration yes, at the end yeah. of the fall. So I sort of, I'm, I'm gravitating more towards those scenarios. I want to be in scenarios where I can just use my DM empowerment hmm. to just say, this is how it's going to work. This is this is how I've structured this this challenge. Maybe well, I have not encountered that as much in my gaming as you have, probably because I don't play Adventures League. Yeah, and you could at the tabletop convention. I still you guys keep talking about it, and it makes it less and less appealing. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, we've done a podcast on it. It's yeah. it's a different creature. It's D and D, but it's of a different flavor. Yeah. Right. I guess I've always kind of held on to my first edition background, and I've. And I'll, if a rule doesn't work for me, I don't use that rule. I don't care what the player says. Yeah. It's just Which, not, if you play with a normal table, that's fine. Yep. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're not an adventurous league. But yeah, like, and that's why I don't run D&D games at conventions, because I never know who I'm going to encounter. Yeah. I may have that l- rules lawyer that is just going to rake me across and, the coals. And you will. So yeah. I avoid that. Yeah. You could just state that up front, though, and just say, you know, this is a house-ruled game, and some things may come up that you may not agree with, but it's my table. Yeah. Well, here's a good example. See, I, well, see, I, I see that as perfect. Last legit. Wednesday at yes. Adventures League, I was around a table, yeah. cast uh, flesh to stone on somebody. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a good guy. Plays table. Been playing D&D longer than me. You know, he's a grognard. And I was, you make a saving throw when the spell gets cast. Mm-hmm. And if you fail, you're restrained, which means you can't move and a bunch of other yeah. stuff happens to you. And then it says you continue to make saving throws. And if you roll three failures before three successes, you turn the stone. Now, That's my harsh. view was that that first failure counts as one failure. Oh. But when you read the spell, it, it's in my mind, it's up in the air they probably after reviewing it further they probably intended that you start from zero but in my mind it doesn't make any sense you've already started to turn to yes. stone i would have to agree with you i would agree that with would you be on that one, actually he did not like that ruling now yeah. as it turns out it doesn't matter because you need at least three more rounds of combat and the combat was actually over before he made another saving throw yeah <laughs> but there was a, a bit of an argument at the table about what's the correct way in AD, guess what? The correct way is the way I just told you because exactly. it's my game. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so I so know. where that, did we get away from that? And truthfully, I think flesh to stone, three saving throws. No, you get one, and then you get one more, and you're done. Yeah. Okay. That's the way the spell should be. So let's add like, that. Can to you the come list. back from that though? If you return to stone, or is that a yeah? Is you that, need a stone to flesh spell. Really? Wow. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. in AD used to be like you got somebody turned to stone. Now you're like in a major recovery operation because you got a friggin' statue you're trying to haul out of a dungeon. When they are stone, are they dead? There's actually a very convoluted spell sequence to get somebody with some special ability, like a mount with some special ability, because they count as an object when they're stone. So spells that affect objects 
effect stoned creatures. And then when you revert them, if that spell effect is still on them, they would <laughs> keep that spell effect. I, I don't remember what exactly somebody was trying to do, but it was something crazy that you could never normally do. But hmm. so so they're if you it doesn't really matter if they're dead. That's a, that's a nonsensical question because they're stone. They don't have any they can't sense. They're just stone. But then when you unstone them, they're alive. So Okay. All right. You know. Um but there are some if somebody wants to go totally min max and uh, look that up, you huh. can do all kinds of stuff to objects that you can't do to creatures, but you can turn a creature into an object and then back yeah. into a creature. So that's huh. the kind of stuff I enjoy. <laughs> so I don't know. The the whole DM empowerment, huh. I I don't think there's a way around it. I just miss the old days mm. where yeah. I'm just I think the more and more we do this, I think the more and more we miss those old days. I am playing a yeah. first edition game up at Game Hole. Are you really? Uh, yeah, with uh, my one of my friends, Carlos Lising, who has a YouTube channel. And we pr- probably should put a link. We've talked about some of his stuff before. Okay. Um, he runs a first edition game, runs a little game company. So uh, shout out to Carlos and we'll... we'll put another link to his stuff and hopefully uh, people can check his stuff out. But he runs a good uh, AD&D type, you know, first edition game. It's a lot of fun. And, and it is a different mm. feel. It's like, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do. And as a DM, you're going to figure out how that works as opposed to, you know, my pet peeve. Um, I make a persuasion check. Click, 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 click. And the dice roll. Go, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't tell me you're making yeah. a roll, right? <laughs> yeah. You tell me what you're doing. I'll tell you what roll to make. But also, what are you what are you saying? Like in AD&D, you said, okay, I'm telling the guard that there's a woman in labor down at the inn, and she needs help, and that he needs to go and run and get the town physician. And the DM's going to go, uh, okay, well, what's your charisma? Okay, and they would probably make the roll, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which also would cause a revolt. And then they say, okay, well, the guard sort of looks at you a little warily and then gives you a little nod, and he walks down the street and turns a corner. Well, now, as a player, I'm going, well, wait a minute. Did he believe me, or is he going to get the doctor, or is he going to get more help. guards? Yeah, more guards. I'm not help. sure. Yeah. To me, that's a much more enjoyable way to play D&D than, I would tell the guard is a woman labor. Roll 18. He believes me. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. My grognard is showing. I'm right there with you, Eric. I'm right there with you. So, and I need to play first edition sometime. I tried that one time. I really was excited. Well, about that, it was, it was that, was, that was that was ODD. That was ODD. Yeah, that's, that was that can be painful. Yeah. Well, it was just that's a, a big that's an abrupt change. It was yeah. just a mess, though. Remember, it was that was like a dozen people, and yeah. the game master wasn't there, and I paid Ooh. twenty bucks to do that, and Yeesh. it was it was not good. Okay, our last topic. So, yeah. Yes. And again, we're getting more controversial as we go. Yeah. Eric and I have talked about this we particular subject this. for a while. And not to get politically incorrect. But we're going to use this word. We're going to use this word. We have begun calling 5th edition. The Snowflake Edition. The Snowflake Edition of d The Snowflake Edition. Yeah. Specifically. You tell me if there's a better word for it. Specifically, (laughs) everybody can do everything. Yep. That is totally valid. And that is, it's just starting to annoy me. Like, in AD&D, you needed a lock picked. So you had a thief. You had a rogue. A rogue. Or, or, no, a thief. Yeah. No, you had, you a, had thief. a thief. Thank or, you very much. Now. That's right. Or a wizard with a knock spell. Yes. If you didn't have a thief, wizard with the knock spell. Mm-hmm. Barring those two options, 
the he, fighter smashing it in with his shoulder. Absolutely. Yeah. You are 100% correct. I was going to say that. You know, you got a chest there. You don't have a thief. The knock spell doesn't work. What happens? The barbarian or the fighter walks up with a mace and smashes the lock off. Yeah. Now, as a min-maxer, not only do I give every character that's able to have a counter spell, half of my characters are urchins. Because guess what urchins get? Thieves tools. Uh, that's exactly what I did with my newest yeah. character. Why would you not? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, why would you not have the option to not only disarm uh, open locks, disarm traps? Yeah. Right? I mean, duh, but... think of, We would be totally screwed if I had not taken Urchin because we don't have a rogue in our group. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. So, you don't have the needed equipment for what you need. Now, I'm sure there's people out there going, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with letting players do what they want to do? If I want to be a tiefling paladin, I should be able to be a tiefling paladin. Even though tieflings are demonic heritage and paladins are angelic. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. But it loses a little something when you do that. Yeah. Just right? because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I say that more often than not, I think, anymore. <laughs> you know, In all aspects of life. <laughs> I liked when classes were restricted by race. I loved it. Like... But doesn't that make you a racist? <laughs> I don't care in this case. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my gaming yeah. world, in D&D, I really like the idea that, you know, a f halfling couldn't be... A wizard. Or a huge uh, high-level fighter barbarians. Yeah. No halfling barbarians. No no so barbarians. Everybody could be fighters. Well, everybody could be rogues. Mm -hmm. I think halflings could be fighters. No, halflings could be fighters. But, yeah, a halfling barbarian, it just doesn't fit. Now, here's the thing, though. And people are going to be like, well, but you're taking away options. If somebody really wants to play a halfling barbarian, maybe they were from feral halfling tribes. In AD&D, that player would come to me and go, hey, I have a really cool idea for a character. And I go, okay, guess what? Yeah, you can be a half Because mm -hmm. I had much more empowerment. And you still have that. But now the default is the exact opposite. Everybody can be everything and do everything. Mm-hmm. And occasionally the DM has to be the bad guy and say, no, that doesn't work in my world. Yeah. And I have said And this that. is all assuming that we're not playing in an Adventures League situation right. where this is all true. I so have said that. We're talking about home. We're talking about home games. Yeah. And so, you know, go, go, calling back to the feats, I have thought about getting rid of those feats, in, those feats in my game. But Dan, I brought it up once and Dan, who's one of the players, yeah. was like, I don't want to say he freaked out, but he was definitely unhappy at the prospect because Dan enjoys that part of the game. He's got lucky, what, doesn't he? Or... Uh, well, he had, his paladin had great weapon master. Oh, okay. Uh, well, so, see, and then I would be sad because I would lose my sharpshooter. Which, and I know. didn't get rid of him because Dan, that's for Dan, that's part of his enjoyment of the game. A large part is sort of like yeah. working the numbers and, and, and getting that. And he's, you know, he does a lot of good role playing as well, but I, I know he enjoys that part. So... But like you said, now I have to be the. If I get rid of that, I have to be the bad guy. I don't. I don't want to be the bad guy. I'd rather we just put it together. But the same with restricting these abilities. The, the other thing I really liked, multiclassing as as a proponent of multiclassing and an abuser of the multiclassing. I would say yes. that you qualify as an abuser of multiclassing. <laughs> In AD and D, mm -hmm. only demi humans could multiclass. Okay. That is right. And you I had, had to start as multiclassed, and you had to pick. So if you want to be a fighter thief, you started as a fighter thief. 
Right. And then you advanced in both classes, but your <laughs> levels were also max. There was max levels you could be in each of those classes. Am I wrong and in you split remembering your experience. you split your experience you split between your, the two? And you could be three. Mm-hmm. There was like, you know, but fighter, thief, magic user. Kind let's of go back to that. Let's say you had uh, to get to first, uh, second level in, in fighter and second level in thief. It was like 2,000 for one and 1,500 for Please, the other. First, second level in thief was 1,251, I believe. All and right. fighter was probably 1500 okay. 1501 I think so you had to have just under you know just under but no you split so you hit second level thief before you hit second level fighter okay. and which edition are we talking about here by the AD&D way? Or just, just just yeah first edition AD&D first edition. Okay. so but then once you now you were unlimited in Wait, thief I, I'm, I'm still trying to remember it's been so a long time when I've got when I adventured and I was a fighter thief yeah and I got 2500 experience I hit second level in thief because I only need twelve fifty to be right. You level. split that twenty five hundred between the two classes. But I still only had twelve fifty in fighter, and yes, I needed fifteen hundred right. in fighter. That's so tr- that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. Now, once I hit my max level in fighter, which depending on my race might be mm-hmm. seven or nine or something, I believe I still had to split my experience. I'm not positive about that, and I would continue to advance as a rogue, correct, or a thief. Now, <laughs> humans had character with two classes, and they could start as a fighter. And they got six levels of fighter. They go, you know what? I want to be a rogue. What they would do is they would start at first level rogue. They would lose all their fighter abilities. Yes. They would keep their hit points until their rogue level caught up with their fighter level. And then they would advance. They would regain those abilities. And I believe they would only advance in the second class. I'm not positive. I don't think they advanced in both. So you, would so, forget, so you would be a fighter your whole life. No, you basically and then just forget how to be a fighter while you practiced being a thief. Yeah, and then which was a little unrealistic. Yeah, it yeah, was very unrealistic. You just really invested in that training. To and be truthfully, a thief. I don't even know if you really needed to go that far in terms of you lose all those yeah. abilities. Yeah. But. I sort of like that system. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the components of that system. One, I like the fact that if you're multi-classed, let's say we implemented that in fifth edition. You had to pick your multi-class at the beginning. Okay, now it doesn't really work because you, you can't split experience. So yeah. ha- now we need to adjust it. for. So here's my rule. You can multi-class as much as you want, but your classes need to be within four levels of each other. So once you're fifth level... Well, let's say three levels. Once you're fifth yeah. level, you're not multi-classing. You can't pick up another first right. level class. So if you want to multi-class, it has to be in tier one conveniently mm-hmm. enough. Okay. Then the most I'm ever going to end up with is a 12-8 character. 12th level in one class, eighth level in another class. I am seriously giving up some abilities in those last eight levels so that I can get those eight levels of my second class. So my first class, I'm only going to be up to 12th level. That makes multi-classing now a very... I need to think about this. Is it worth it? I'm not doing a two-level dip as a divination wizard to pick up my portent dice. I need to really want to be a wizard. Do you think you could carry those home rules into your game? Do you think people would rebel? I don't think that's... I don't see a lot of a ton of multi-classing. Henry multi-classes. I was going to say, has anybody multi-classed other than Henry? But... So I don't think he knows what he's doing. But <laughs> in Adventures League, I see a ton of people who dip a couple. Usually yeah. it's one, two levels because you're not paying that much for a dip yeah. and you're gaining a lot in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. You know, those Hexblade Warlocks, those Sorcedins, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot. So I would love to see that mechanic because it would also mm-hmm. encourage people to sort of stay on the straight and narrow a little more and not 
impose on other people's niches, right? So I can't just dip a couple levels in this and take over the rogue abilities. Like, the rogue is the rogue. Yeah, and uh, and back when we played Champions, that was called shtick infringement because every superhero had a special thing. Yes. And if you had a guy that could do everything, if you have Superman, why do you need the rest of the Justice League? You know, that kind of how that boils, you know. If you've got one guy that, uh, you know, if you've got your martial artist and you've got your guy that goes really fast and you got your guy that's really strong, what happens when the guy who's really strong and really fast who has martial arts comes along? He's negated the other characters. And that's kind of how it is on this, you know. And we wouldn't if, have all of those Marvel Universe movies. That's true. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then the, the thief ability is the is the best example of it is, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't and healing, if you don't have a rogue or you don't have any most kind of healing. healing is not done by clerics in Adventures League, in my experience. Bards do way more healing than clerics. Oh, that's the other thing that's crazy. Healing word. Get rid of healing word <laughs> or add a rule that guess what? If you go unconscious and you get back up because you're healed, you gain a level of exhaustion. This whole whack-a-mole you know, I knock somebody down, then they're up before they they even miss an action. It's absurd. <laughs> There's no penalty for getting knocked down 17 times, going unconscious 17 times in an adventure. That's, Ask the barbarian. That's stupid, <laughs> truthfully. Wow. That's, again, Snowflake D&D. Like, I, I can do this. And like I said, the yeah. stick infringement, you know, the healing is just, who can do healing now? Well, your your divine soul sorcerer can do healing. Your bards can do healing. Your clerics can do healing. Your druids can do healing. Like, healing's no longer a cleric thing. And that I sort of miss that Yeah, that role. Like, if you're a cleric, you're doing something else, odds are. Oh, this is all yeah. targeted against my new uh, bard character with the urchin background. Yeah, that's how I came up with yes. the outline. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> is all against you, Greg. It really is. Yeah. So be warned. You're going to be playing first edition here before you know it. Oh, crap. And I don't know how you would impose racial books. restrictions. Yeah. I would with love so many to see now. something there used to only be like what, that. Like the six problem or is yeah. they have balanced the races based on racial ability. So in the old days, humans didn't get anything. So in exchange for that, they got unlimited advancement mm-hmm. in every, every class. Other races got other stuff, but they sacrificed advancement in, in certain in classes. classes. Now all races are essentially balanced based on the abilities they get. So how could you say, well, if you're an Asimar Paladin, you're limited to 8th level, which would be cool in my book. Like, guess what? Or not Asimar, uh, Tiefling Paladin. Oh, you're limited to 8th level. Because wow, you can that. only be so good as a Tiefling, right? right? Yeah. People would disagree with that, I know. But it adds another dimension to the game where you're like, oh, I need to actually think about this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so that, that was... is not reflected uh, in the way that our society operates these days. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, here. That's very Trying true. To... Very true. Well, I don't think that there's going to be a 5.5 or a 6th edition, especially after something that was posted. This there will be it. eventually. Oh, there will be. But uh, this was posted back in 2018. Uh, Mike Merles uh, tweeted out that we're nowhere near 6th edition D&D. But if we get there, this is how I'd like to play it out, how I'd like it to play out. Zero disruption to what you're already doing, just new toys to make your game better. Well, that's not a sixth edition. Right. No, that's, 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 a called, that's called a supplement. Yeah, yeah. it's called a supplement. Right. Exactly. Um, so I don't think we're in any danger of having to worry about a fifth or a 5.5 or a sixth edition or anything like that. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And if it doesn't work for you or you don't like it, just like the original game said, these are just turn them into guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just have fun with it. You and know. if people haven't played AD&D and can get to a convention and play an AD&D game, it really is a totally different feel. 
It is, absolutely. And I had actually forgotten that until I started playing again. And yeah. it came back pretty quickly. I played first edition two years ago at Winter War, and it was like putting on an old jacket yeah. that you had worn forever. It mm-hmm. was really a good feeling. No, Did you yeah. find change in the pocket? Um, no, but I found a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it actually improved my DMing as well because I had re-remembered a lot of the stuff that I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, this this could apply to fifth edition as well. Yeah. So. So. All right, well, that's where we're at for this episode of The Grognard. So, Greg, are you ready to take us out? Uh, Yep, if you want to let us know if you have any problems with 5th edition and anything you'd like to add or change, you can let us know on our Facebook page where we are, The Grognards. On Twitter, we are at TGrognards. There's that whole Instagram thing. I'm not even going to go there. And uh, if you want to send us an old school email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. Okay, thank you very much for listening. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.